for joining us as we hear an anointed word from Treasure Coast Victory Center. This is going to be on kingdom health. Basically, it's basically on health and divine health and walking in divine health. And uh, uh, basically, as of right now, it is a four-week course that will probably turn into five or six before it's over. As I teach, I seem to get a little more insight and revelation. A lot of the things I share with you today will be what I've learned from other people and what I've practiced in my own life. Nobody really thinks much about health until they need it. And basically then everybody's interested in uh, health all at once, you know, but it's a lifestyle that you really need to get into before the attack comes. And no matter what you've been taught up till now, and it, the attack will come. Attacks will come against your life. Symptoms will come against your life. The devil is allowed to do that. He's just not allowed to keep them on you unless you receive them and take them, basically, because of the position that we have. So it's, it's going to come on us. Some people ask, well, why there's so many people sick in the church? Well, in my own personal opinion, it's because if everybody in this church tomorrow morning had a doctor's appointment at 9 o'clock, I would think every single one of them would show up. If you teach on healing to keep them away from the doctor's appointment tomorrow, you get eight people that show up. Why is that? Because nobody's really interested in healing, once again, until they need divine health. I learned divine health and been studying it now for years. I think it's a very important part of the kingdom. I think it's a very important part of my life, simply because I don't like feeling bad. I'd rather feel good than bad, praise God. And I'm going to do whatever it takes in order to live a healthy life for my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All right, go to Exodus tonight. I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures in this, and uh, you can write them down and study them or do whatever you want to do, but they're all got to do with healing, all got to do with your thought life. I want to pump faith into you as the fall season comes around because that seems to be the time when things seem to fall apart in the world. The news media will tell you that you're going to get sick. They want to flu shot you 10 or 12 times and all that kind of stuff. So we're just going to give you a flu shot with the word of God over the next four or five weeks and uh, see where it goes. Exodus chapter, what did I say? Exodus 15. Let's go to 15 first. Exodus chapter 15, look at verse 26. It says, And said, If you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these sicknesses upon you which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that what? That healeth thee. Now notice if you're not really familiar with the Old Testament and the study, first of all, you're going to find out that God does not put sickness on anyone. It's not his job to put sickness on anyone. If you look this up, basically it says allow. Say allow. allow. So God's given you a condition here. He says, if you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God and will do that as right in his sight, which equals seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and will give ear to his commandments and keep his statutes, I will allow none of the diseases upon thee which were allowed upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. All right, go up to Exodus chapter 23. Look at verse 24. It says, Thou shalt not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do after their works, but thou shalt utterly overthrow them and quite break down their images. And you shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless thy bread and thy water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. There shall nothing cast their young, nor be barren in the land. The number of thy days I will fulfill. So here's two scriptures. One is God is introducing himself. I am the Lord that healeth thee. Here he says, I will take sickness away from the 
midst of thee. Now notice there's conditions here once again. Verse 24, thou shalt not bow down to other gods. When I got born again, even though I accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, I still had several other gods that I put ahead of him. Basically, there are things in my life that were more important than he was. I got born again, that's fine, but there were still things that had to be weeded out of my life at that time till I put him first place in my life. Here it says, you will serve the Lord your God and he shall do what? Bless your what? Bread and your? Bless your bread and water. Now notice, I mean, sometimes we go and before we eat, we pray before a meal and that's fine and there's no problem with that. But even if you forget, as long as you're serving the Lord, whatever you're eating is already blessed. Are you following me? So it's already in there. So basically from these two scriptures, you can see if you are sick, God wants you healed. Until you're convinced that God wants you to be well, you will always have a doubt in your mind as to whether or not God really wants you to be healed. As long as there's doubt in your mind, perfect faith cannot exist in your mind. You hear people all the time when they get in a battle or get in a struggle, they say, I don't know why God won't heal me. I don't know why God isn't doing something. If those are the thoughts that come to your mind, you do not know that God really wants to heal you. You don't know that he's on your side. You don't know that he's already put down in his will that his desire for you is to be healed. Otherwise, you wouldn't think those thoughts to begin with. So as long as there is doubt in your mind, perfect faith will not exist in your life. And until faith is exercised without doubt, or the Bible calls it wavering, say wavering, you may never ever be healed. So God's will, say God's will, for me is healing. And notice the conditions here. You need to seek Him first, serve the Lord, your food will be blessed. And He also promises that you will go with a long life till your days will be fulfilled. Hallelujah. All right, go to James chapter 1. All right, James chapter 1, let's look at verse 6. It says, But let him or her ask in faith nothing wavering, for he that wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. So once a person basically becomes fully convinced that God wants to heal him, that it's God's will basically for him to be healed, that God never wants you to be sick, he has no reason for you to be sick, almost every time if you can get somebody to believe that, they will get healed when you pray for them. Knowing God's will concerning sickness will provide the ground on which perfect faith can act. Say, God is on my side in healing. He's always on your side in healing. It doesn't matter what the natural says. It doesn't matter what's going on. It's you and God against whatever's coming against you. Now, notice what it says. If you waver, in other words, you take your stand, but then you waver back and forth. Well, he might do it. Well, he might. Now, maybe you don't want to heal me. If you waver here, it says you will not receive anything of the Lord. But let's turn it around. If you do not waver, you will receive everything of the Lord. So all we've got to do is get any doubt in our mind. We've got to understand that God's will for me is to be healed at all times, in any circumstance, in any situation, and just believe that that's where we're at. God wants me healed all the time. All right, go to Numbers chapter 23. Say, God's will, God's will is for me to be healed. Numbers chapter 23, look at verse 19. 
It says, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and shall he not do it? Or has he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Notice here it says, has he said, and will he not do it? What's your answer to that? He'll do it, won't he? So notice, giving example, people all the time that you run into who are looking for healing, most of them say, I just can't seem to get enough faith to be healed. Have you ever heard that? Well, it's not really a matter of faith here. It's basically, do you believe God is telling the truth? Is God telling the truth? God said, he is the Lord that healeth thee. So it's not a matter of faith. It's a matter basically, will he do what he said to do? Will he heal you? That's what he said. Will he do it? Well, of course he will. That's faith. Faith is simply believing that God is going to do what God said he's going to do. If he said it, he will do it. Now, the problem with the church is most people don't know what he said. And if you don't know what he said, you don't know what he'd do. And if you don't know what he'd do, you know, all things work together for good for those that love God and are called according to his... You never know what God's going to do in your situation. Well, all that stuff's not going to help you when an attack comes in any area of your life. You have to understand that God's will for you is that you live in divine health. Say, God's will is that I live in divine health. Okay, go to 1 Kings chapter 8. Until you're fully convinced that that's God's will for you and that's what God wants for you, you're going to waver every time an attack comes in your life. You've got to be solid on God's will. All right, 1 Kings chapter 8. Oh, look at verse 56. It says, Blessed be the Lord that has given rest unto his people Israel according to all that he promised there has not failed one word of all his good promise, which he promised by the hand of Moses to his servant. Notice God's promises are yes and amen. God's promises, whether they're spoke out of Peter's mouth, Paul's mouth, Jesus' mouth, whoever, all is the word of God, and God will never fail. The Bible says he will hasten his word in order to perform it. He watches over what he said. He looks after it. He protects it. He stands by it. Why is that? Because he wants to protect his integrity. He wants you to know that what he says, basically, is going to come to pass. There is no reason for doubting God. We all know what the devil is. He is a liar. The Bible said he is the father of all lies. He has lied to people for over 6,000 years now about God's word. Never doubt God. Doubt your doubts. Never doubt what God has said. Doubt what you're thinking and what's anti, not in line with God's word. So God watches over his word. He's a God of integrity and he wants to stay in your mind a God of integrity. All right, go to Psalm 105. Okay, Psalm 105, look at verse 37. Talking about the Israelites, he said, He brought them forth also with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person among them. The word here, feeble, means sick. It means weak. 
So here he goes. He brings three million people out of the land of Egypt. They all believe God's word. What word did they believe? I am the Lord that healeth you. The results, every single one of them, there was not one that needed healing. All of them were perfectly whole at the time. Three million people were well and they were strong. Here it says there's not one feeble, not one weak, not one sick among them. How many of you know they've been in bondage for over 300 years at this time? How many of you know some of them probably definitely needed some kind of healing after that time? So here they come out of Egypt. They believe what God has said. Now, if this is true for the Israelites back in those days under the law, it is more true for each and every one of us today. We have been redeemed by the blood of God's Lamb. They were not, and we're now living under grace. We're living under mercy. We're living under truth. Healing is for us. All may be healed, and all should be healed and be living in health. It is God's will for every person to be well and to be strong if we simply meet his conditions and simply believe what he said he would do. Now, in the world today, disease and sickness are taking the toll on human lives everywhere at this point. This is in spite of all the medical achievements that have been going on and, and all the things around the world, all the research we've done, all the money that's been thrown around, all the new drugs they've come out with. Sickness and disease is still running rampant. The church continues to make excuses for people to be sick. Well, God is chastising you. He's teaching you. God's teaching tool for you. God will heal you in his time. God knows best. He wants you sick for right now. God is just drawing you closer and closer to him. All these things are being taught and being discussed, but you have to know that God's will is for you to be healed all the time. Christians need never to be sick any more than they need to be sinful. It is always God's desire to heal. Say it, it's always. It's always. always. God's desire. For me to be healed. Okay, go to Mark chapter 1. All right, Mark chapter 1, verse 40. Uh, yeah, verse 40. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou will, thou canst make me clean. Jesus was moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and touched him, and said unto him, I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. Here it was Jesus' will to heal this leper. It was his will. We all know that Jesus acted in line with God's will. So if it was Jesus' will to heal this man, then it was God's will to heal this man. The greatest barrier to the faith of many seeking healing today is basically the uncertainty in their minds whether God's will is to heal them or not to heal them. This has come from bad teaching and from preachers who are afraid to preach the truth. Why is that? Because you preach the truth of healing in your church and people get sick, many times they get mad and leave. It is impossible to boldly proclaim your kingdom rights where the will of God is not known, not trusted, not acted on. In other words, if you don't know it's God's will to heal you, it's going to be very hard for you to be bold and resist sickness and disease when you think God might be responsible for sickness and disease coming on you. Many people believe that sickness and disease comes from God. Well, if you believe that, then you should never go to a doctor because you want God's will in your life. And if he willed sickness on you, then you need to glorify him by just being as sick as you can possibly get. See, our mind is messed up there. But notice, here Jesus said, I will be thou clean. 
Now, I found out early in my life that if it's not working, which it didn't at first, when symptoms came against my body, when sickness disease came, and I put my old confession of faith out there as boldly as I could, and I went to bed and got up and felt twice as worse as I did before, I made the boldly confession that I made, and I made it again, and two hours later I felt even worse, and I made it again, and then about the third hour I say, what's going on, God? What, what's the deal here? You said this. What's the matter with you? Oh, don't you want me healed? What's the matter? What happened? I went back into something called wavering. Say wavering. wavering. Notice, it is never God's problem when you don't receive one of his promises. The problem I found out happened to be with me. I had to get more revelation. I had to understand better. I had to get a better foundation. I had to seek God until I found out and learned different things in my life that I was making a mistake at. So I had to make the adjustment. Say, if it's not working, I have to make the adjustment. See, the last thing you want to do is quit. A lot of people, you know, get, get born again, and, and they get into the faith movement, which is good, but instead of believing against a headache, they already think they got mountain faith, and they're believing for a Rolls Royce rather than a car that runs. And when they do that, their faith doesn't work. Well, you do that for a Rolls Royce, you take it down to a Cadillac, it still don't work. You take it down to a brand new Toyota, it still don't work. Pretty soon you just give up and say, this faith stuff don't work. This faith stuff always works if you'll work it all the way to the end. In other words, if you'll stay steadfast, if you will do it, if you'll not waver, if you'll be there, if you know it's God's will to be healed, if you know that belongs to me, bless God, and the devil ain't stealing it from me, and that's where I am, if you'll hang on to that, it will definitely work in your life. The devil comes along and he lies to you. How I many of you know when you've got a symptom in your body, he'll give you all kind of things going wrong with you. And then people, thank God we got the internet to find out more things. <laughs> Pain in my right arm. I'll tell you what, there'll be a list of stuff in there. You'll be dead before you're done reading it. Why is that? Because all these things are coming against your mind. All these things are coming in there. No, you just got to know one foundation, and he is the Lord that heals thee, and he has promised to remove all sickness and all disease away from the midst of me. That's my foundation. That's where I've got to stay unwavering. All right, go to Hebrews chapter 9. All right, Hebrews chapter 9, look at verse 15, talking about Jesus, and he says, And for this cause, Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, there also must be the necessity of the death of a testator. So in other words, the only reason why you can receive from your inheritance is because someone died and left you that inheritance. Who died and left you the inheritance? Jesus died and left you an inheritance. Some people think that they're going to get healing when they die and go to heaven. You don't get your inheritance when you die. Well, you will, though. But you get your inheritance when he died. Now, not only is he the testator, but he's also the mediator. So he's the only one who basically died, left a will and testament for you, then was raised from the dead to mediate that will and testament that he left for you. Nobody's ever did that before. So Jesus comes back, what for? To make sure that you get everything that he left you. He's there at the right hand of the Father interceding to make sure that you get what you need. Now, if you have a lady in the natural and her husband dies and he was a millionaire and she would come up to you and say, I don't know, my husband died about six months ago and I, I hope he left me something. I don't know if he left me anything or not. You know, he always loved me and everything, but he had a lot of money. I don't know if he left me anything. You would say, well, read the will, stupid. Read the will. 
Well, it's the same way in God's world. This is the will. This is the testament. If you want to find out what God has given you, then you need to read the will and testament all the time and refresh your mind on what's going on. What is a will and testament? It's written down. Thank God he wrote it down. Otherwise, Peter and Paul will be the only ones that know what he said. But it was written down. So his last will and testament is right in front of us. And that last will and testament basically says, I am the Lord that healeth thee, and I will remove all sickness away from the midst of you. Say, God's will is healing. Divine health for me. All right, go to Acts 14. All right, Acts 14, verse 8. It says, And there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him, and perceiving that he had faith to be what? Healed, said with a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. And he leaped up, and he walked. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in speech like honium, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Notice here Paul was preaching the kingdom gospel, and this shows you that part of the kingdom gospel is healing. Otherwise, with him preaching the good news about the kingdom, how would this guy get faith for healing unless part of the kingdom gospel he was preaching had something to do with healing so he could get faith to be healed? So healing is part of the kingdom gospel. It's not separate from it. This man received faith to be healed while listening to Paul's message. Wherever healing is taught as God's provision for every person, Faith is already imparted to the people every time. Faith will be imparted. When you get to the yes and amen part about it, God's will is for me to be healed. I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. That settles it, and that's where I'm staying. If you can bring your mind into that area, things will definitely go your direction. The method never fails. It's God's method. Hear the word, believe the word, act on the word. You must let it become a settled fact in your heart and in your head. It is God's will to heal you. You have as much right of healing as you do of forgiveness. People say, well, I sinned, but I repented, and it's gone. Why? They've got confidence in that. People say, well, I've got a symptom, and I heal, but they won't say that. I've got a symptom, and I'm sick as a dog. Why is that? Because they don't believe it. You have just as much right to live healed as you do to be forgiven every time you make a mistake. Healing is part of the gospel to be preached to every creature. It is a kingdom benefit for every single citizen. All right, go to Isaiah chapter 53. All right, Isaiah 53 is basically a view spiritually of the cross, what was taking place. Basically, Isaiah knew more about it than even I think the disciples and the apostles did. Isaiah 53, let's look at verse 3. Talking about Jesus, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. But for sure, surely, absolutely, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are 
healed. So this is a view of the cross. By this scripture, we know that healing is not only for the spirit, but also for the body. In other words, the spirit can be healed by be born again, basically. And here it talks about there's also healing for the body. So in redemption here on the cross, there is both physical and there is both spiritual healing in your life. If you're healed, you should be saved. If you're saved, you should be healed. Jesus provided for both on the cross. He provided for the new birth, and he also provided for divine health. When you realize that healing is part of your kingdom salvation, you will no longer need to call for the elders of the church. And I'm not saying these things are wrong. These things work. They're in the Bible. You no longer have to have hands laid on you. You no longer ask in Jesus' name for what you already possess. You will just simply thank him that by the stripes of Jesus, I have been healed. Now, what if a symptom comes and you don't feel like saying that? It's because you have more faith in the symptom yet than you do in the cross that took care of your healing at the time. To accept Christ's life for both your body and your spirit, you must know that you are free from the bondage of both sickness and sin, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So here it talks about Jesus bearing our sicknesses. Now, in the church today, people don't even know that they're free from sin much less free from sickness. Because most people, well, everybody's got to sin. Sometimes we all fall, but as long as we get back up. Well, the Bible says, let not sin have dominion over you. Now, you were created and put here with something called dominion. Will that dominion work over sin? Of course it will. Unless you give sin dominion, then it will dominate your life. You can go the rest of your life with not sinning again. Most people that believe they're going to sin, do. Get what you believe. Let it be done unto you according to your faith. Well, I sin all the time. Yeah, I believe it. Great guy, it's going to happen. No question about it. I just believe I'm going to go out and commit adultery. Yep, mark it down. It's, it's coming, praise God. You're busting your faith right out there for it. You believe it. But if you believe that you're never going to sin again, then I'm going to take dominion over the temptation of sin when it comes. Well, it's the same way with healing. When a symptom comes, you have the same dominion over that symptom as you do over sin that tries to come in your life. But you're the one... Who must take the dominion in that area. We just, you know, you just heard that song at the end, God fights the battles for me. He's not going to. When a symptom comes, he's not going to fight the battle for you. Your job to fight the battle. Your job to walk in victory. Your job. He's given you everything that you need. He's given you the Holy Ghost. He's given you your authority. He's given you everything that you need to bind and loose. And it's basically up to us. The problem with the church thinks he's going to do everything. Well, God's going to work it out. No, he's not. God's going to do this. No, he's not. Not unless you do what you're supposed to do and allow the Spirit of God to get involved in the thing. All right, go to Matthew chapter 8. All right, Matthew chapter 8, look at verse 17. Oh, we got to go back. Go back to verse 16. When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word, and he healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah. Now, we just read Isaiah, didn't we? Spoken by Isaiah the prophet, himself took our infirmities, and he bare our what? Sicknesses. Now, this tells you right here, basically, that he took our infirmities, he took our pains, he took our weaknesses on the cross, and he also took our sicknesses on the cross. Basically, he was your substitute 
for sin and for sickness on the cross. He took all your sin, he took all your sickness as your substitute on the cross. What for? To destroy sin and sickness in your life so you would no longer have to bear those things. He bore them so you wouldn't have to bear them. Now, over the last four weeks, Patrick was my substitute. Basically, on Wednesday night, I didn't teach. Patrick did. He substituted for me. When he got done, I didn't have to get up and teach on Wednesday night because my substitute had already taken care of what I was supposed to do or what I was responsible for, so I didn't have to do it. He was my substitute, and he took care of it. Well, Jesus took your sicknesses. He took your diseases. He took your sin on the cross as your substitute. Why? So I don't have to sin anymore. I don't have to be sick anymore because my substitute has already taken care of that for me on the cross. He's already provided it. So all your sicknesses as well as all your sins were laid on Jesus at Calvary. He took them. He bore them for you. Now, if I still need to bear them, then I don't know what he went to the cross to be my substitute for if I'm going to bear them anyway. In other words, if I got to get sick, if I got to sin, then what was his purpose of going to be in my substitute and taking care of sin and sickness if he didn't take care of him anyway? It was a waste of time. The whole cross was a waste of time at that point. But no, he bore them at that time. He put them to naught at that time. He put them to death at that time. So born again Christians in the kingdom of God would not have to bear sickness, would not have to bear sin, would not have to bear pain, would not have to bear disease, but we could live free because of what our substitute did. Christians do not need to be sick. God wants all to be healed and all to be Strong. All right, go to Psalm 103. All right, Psalm 103, look at verse 1. David says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his what? Benefits. benefits. Now, we all know what benefits are. Benefits are Social Security benefit. It's my benefit. That belongs to me. My retirement benefit belongs to me. Praise God. It be- it's mine. It belongs to me. Okay, what are those benefits? Verse 3. Who forgives all thine iniquities and heals all thy diseases who redeems my life from destruction and crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies. So here he says he forgives how many? And he heals how many? Now we believe this, don't we? If I make a mistake, I get mad, you know, I'm mad at my wife, I scream and shout at her or whatever. I know I can go to the Lord and I know if I repent, there's no doubt in my mind, he's going to forgive me. But then when symptoms attack us, do we know that we have authority in that situation to walk in health and we're going to make sure that that's removed from our lives? See, it's not the same, is it? We've had more faith for the sin area than we've had for the healing area. When you come to know this right here, that he forgives all your iniquities and heals how many? All your diseases. When you come to that and know it like 2 plus 2 is 4, you'll never have a problem with sickness again in your life. You will stand strong when symptoms come. You'll know you're free not only in spirit, you're free in body, and you're getting more free in soul with revelation knowledge all the time. Now, one thing that people do when they come, basically, that I've talked to quite a bit, is they believe that they've got to be attacked just because they're laying hands on other people. You don't want to believe for anything you don't want. Well, you know, I'm sick and I'm feeling real bad, but that's because I laid hands on three people and the devil's just after me. He's after me all the time. I guarantee you he's going to be after you all the time. You see, you don't have to believe that. The devil's after everybody. 
He's not picking out and say, you're the, I mean, out of the trillions of people out there, you're the one I got to get. Me and my whole army is going to mobilize because you laid hands on one person. They probably didn't even get healed, but we're going to mobilize us to teach you a lesson. See, people in their minds, they get to be a legend in their own mind or something. And when you're being attacked and you accept it, well, I'm going to get attacked when I do this stuff. No, praise God. I'm going to stand against it whether he does or not. I'm gonna not going to allow him a place in my life. I'm not going to, some people say, well, I can minister to the sick because I was so sick at one time and then I came out and now I've got compassion and I can minister to them. Well, Jesus was very good, and he never got sick. So that's not true either, praise God. It has no, no bearing on the case whatsoever. The case is how much of this covenant that you know, how much inheritance do you know belongs to you, and that will make a difference in your life, praise God, as far as your believing when the attack comes. If you believe you'll be attacked, you will. If you believe the devil's always after you, he will. But you're just, you're just begging him to come. He's a roaring lion going around seeking whom he... Not everybody. He's not devouring everybody, but just those who invite him in. Say, come on, eat up, praise God. Take a bite out of me today. So you don't have to do that. Keep your mind and your heart and stuff on the word of God at all times, praise God. All right, go to 1 Peter chapter 2. All right, 1 Peter chapter 2, look at verse 24, talking about Jesus once again, who his own self bear our sins, where? In his own body on the tree, well, that's talking about the cross, isn't it? That we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes and wounds ye were, past tense, healed. So once again, here we see now Peter talking about the cross. We are to be dead, according to this, to sin because he bore our sins. Well, we're also to be dead to sickness because he bore our sicknesses. Satan cannot legally lay on you what God already laid on Jesus Christ. Christ became sick with our diseases that we might be healed. He knew no sickness. He took our sicknesses. He knew no sin. He took our sins. He had no sin. He had no sickness. Now here it says the object of Christ's sin-bearing was to make all those who would believe in him as their sin-bearer righteous, to make them righteous before God. Well, the object of his disease-bearing was to make all who would believe in him free from sickness and disease and make them well. Christ's sin-bearing made righteous, righteousness a certainty for the new creation. He took our sins to make us righteous. Christ's disease-bearing made healing a certainty to the new creation. He took our sicknesses and diseases that by his stripes we were, past tense, healed. So now I'm going to live dead to sin. I'm going to live dead to sickness. I'm going to live dead to disease. I'm going to live dead to those thoughts, dead to those actions, dead to all that stuff. Why? Because Jesus has already taken my place as my substitute to set me free from these things. All right, go to Acts chapter 10. All right, Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Are you there? It says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good, healing how many? All that were what? Oppressed or under the power of the devil, for God was with him. 
We know that Jesus is the exact image of the Father. Everything Jesus did was according to the Father's will from start to finish. Here it says he went about healing how many? All that were sick. Disease and sickness are never the will of the Father. Disease is a curse. It's not a blessing. Disease basically makes slaves of the people who are sick and the people who take care of them. Sickness will rob you of joy. It'll rob you of rest. It'll rob you of peace. It'll rob you of money. Why? Because a thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. He fills people with anxiety, with doubt, with fears, with pain. Disease is not the will of God. It is the will of Satan. Sickness is not of love. And we all know that God is love. All right, look at verse 38 again. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. The Holy Spirit, talking here through Peter, basically says the Holy Spirit is not called the flu. He's not called a cold. He's not called a virus. What's, what's this bondage called? Demonic oppression. Say demonic oppression. Now, there's a lot of different words out there for sickness and disease, and all of them seem to have a pill, late-night TV that can take care of those. But basically, know what, know what he called it here. It's demonic oppression. Jesus came to set the captives free. When a symptom comes against you, you have to reckon, what am I getting, a cold? What am I getting? I don't care what it is. I know what it is. It's demonic oppression coming against me. In other words, let's simplify the thing here. It's demonic. It's the devil, and it's demonic, and I'm going to resist it. People go around all the time talking about their pains, talking about their sickness, talking about all they're doing is glorifying the one who put that on them, which is the devil. And it certainly don't help your faith. Matter of fact, it, it makes you sicker. I'm so sick. And most people got to exaggerate. You walk up to somebody and they can't just be sick. They're either going to be horribly sick, extremely sick, or terribly sick. Can't you just be sick? Take a step up for God's sakes. Just say, I'm sick. That's a step forward. Maybe you'll be part sick the next time I see her. Partial, but no, horribly sick. Well, see, all that stuff that comes out is what we believe, all is what we do, and all that is just a, a something for the devil there. It just draws him in. It's like a perfume to bring him in because he knows you're not believing. So Jesus came to bring us liberty, to bring us freedom, to bring us deliverance, to break the yokes. Jesus healed all that were oppressed of the devil. All right, go to Luke chapter 13. All right, Luke chapter 13, look at verse 11. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together and could no wise lift herself up. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work. In them therefore come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath. The Lord said unto him, You hypocrite, does thou each one of you on the Sabbath lose his ox or an ass from the stall and let him away to watering? And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, lo, these 18 years, be loosed from this bond? Now, this is Jesus himself. The Holy Spirit called it demonic oppression. Jesus calls it here bondage. Sickness and disease was bondage. Jesus never told this woman that she was bowed over because she needed some humility from God. Never told her that God was working things out in her life. Never said that it was drawing her closer to God. Basically, it was Satan had her 
bound according to this. Then he goes on to say she's a daughter of Abraham. Basically, she had a covenant. She had a legal right to live healed at that time according to the covenant. What covenant? I am the Lord that healeth thee, and I will take sickness and disease away from the midst of you. So she had a legal right as a daughter of Abraham to live healed. Well, now where we're at right now, you have a legal right to be healed because you are a child of the living God. Jesus came to set at liberty them that are bruised or bound. Jesus called sickness bondage, and every bound person God wants to be loosed, and he wants them to be set free. All right, go to John chapter 8. All right, John chapter 8, look at verse 32. Jesus said, and you shall know the, and the shall make you, notice, here's Jesus saying the truth. What does the truth do? The truth of knowing where sickness and disease is from. The truth of knowing you have authority and a government over that. A truth of knowing you never have to be sick again. The truth that you know that Jesus was your substitute and bore your sicknesses and your diseases on the cross. All those truths in your life basically will set you free and give you a foundation to resist the devil when he tries to come into your life. Now, why do not more people in the body of Christ get healed? Basically, most people know nothing about healing in the body of Christ because it really hasn't been taught the way it should be taught. So most people just believe that when you get a symptom, you're going to get sick. That's, that's it. And then most people also are too lazy to get in the Bible. Of course, none in Treasure Coast Victory Center. I'm talking about other churches now. But other churches are too lazy to get in the Word of God and study the Word of God and find out. You're never going to get anything done if every time you go in the hospital to pray for somebody, you're going to sympathize with their problem and their pain at that time. You have to understand what's going on there, what's really taking place, what's going on. You have to minister the Word of God to them, basically. And then after ministering the Word of God to them, then you can get healing over into their bodies. Basically, the time to learn about these things is now. If you feel good now, this is a time to learn about healing. Don't wait till you get in a mess, then try to bail yourself out. It's very difficult to do because symptoms are loud talkers. You know, the Word of God says, by His stripes, you're healed. And the symptom says, you're sick. That's just the way it is. You've got to bring that voice down. So we have to basically declare war on every form of sickness, take authority over every form of demonic power through the name of Jesus. We studied the name of Jesus on Sunday. And then we minister deliverance to those who need healing by giving them the truth. All right, go to John chapter 3. All right, John chapter 3, very familiar, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever, say whosoever. Notice, whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. How many know everybody in the church believes the scripture? We are never in doubt as God's willingness to save anybody. It doesn't matter how bad they are, whether they're a drug addict, whether they're an alcoholic, whether they're in prison, we are certain that God's going to save them if simply they ask for salvation. Now, why are we so certain? Because we've been taught that since we were little kids, that God wants to save you, God loves you, God wants you to be saved, and basically He died for you so now that you could be saved. Well, the same thing should come to a place in our lives regarding sickness and disease and healing.
We have to come to the place where we know that God loves us. God went, sent Jesus to the cross. What he sent him to the cross for? To provide us for total healing in our life. Basically, when it comes to salvation, we're so confident we can pray for somebody. We can, they can confess the prayer. You don't see them turn blue, orange, a holy glow come around them, a halo come on their head. But you're sure that they've been born again because that's what the word of God says when they confess Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Hallelujah. But you pray for somebody that's sick. I don't feel any better. I don't look any better. It's not getting any better. See, we need physical evidence in the healing realm. We don't need it in the salvation realm. How many of you got born again, went to the mirror, and saw somebody completely different on the inside of you when you went there? No, you saw the same person that you did before. You simply had to believe what the Word of God told you at that time, that you had a new birth, you were a new creation in Christ Jesus, and spiritually now you had the nature of God on the inside of you. All came from the Word of God. But now with sickness and disease, we want to feel... We want somebody to diagnose us. We want this. We want that. All you have to do is, once again, believe the Word of God. If we could believe the Word of God as strongly as we believe doctors, things would change quite a bit, praise God. Hallelujah. So we've been taught the truth regarding, basically, salvation. Now we need to be taught the truth, basically, when it comes to sickness and to disease. We need to tell the unsaved to accept Jesus Christ as Savior, but we also need to tell the unsaved to accept Jesus Christ as their healer at the same time when they get born again. All right, go to Matthew chapter 9. Got to get moving or I'm going to need Patrick's alarm clock. So we see that sin and health were provided for, or sin, freedom from sin and freedom from sickness were provided at the same time on the cross of Calvary. Matthew chapter 9, look at verse 1. And when he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. Oh, I'm in the wrong one. Let me move up. Matthew chapter 9. No, it's 9. I was just in 8. Matthew chapter 9. And he went into a ship and passed over and came unto his own city. And behold, there brought him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy... 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 Thy what? Now, Jesus basically was confused this day. Because this man came here crippled, looking for healing. Jesus looks at him and says, Son, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven. He didn't come there to go to confession. He came there to get healed. Verse 3, and behold, certain of the scribes and within themselves, this man blasphemes. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore, thank ye evil in your hearts, for which is easier to say, your sins be forgiven, or to say, arise and walk. What was he doing here? He was showing that at the same time, on the same day in the future, sin and sickness are going to be dealt with at the same time. If he said, you're free of your sin, you're free of your sickness. If he said, free of your sickness, you're free of your sin. Why? Because they were both provided at the same time. And the only reason why he said, son, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven here, I think was to make him mad. Come on, he could have said, get up and walk. He's done that before, and they'd have did it. But they'd never heard him do the sin thing. So he's just thinking, I'm going to really ruffle their feathers now. Your sins are forgiven. Ah! Nobody can forgive sins. This guy's nuts. This guy's terrible. I mean, you watch Jesus. He did that kind of stuff. What for? To bash their thinking. Sometimes you've got to bash people's thinking just to get them to believe anything. All right, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Well, Jesus never did that stuff. He never got upset. We'll ask the money changers how they did one day. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, look at verse 19. It says, what? 
Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your, and in your, which belong to who? God, you don't even own your body or your spirit. God owns the thing. Notice here, your spirit and your body were bought with a price. Say a price. Not prices, a price. When was that price done? On the cross of Calvary. One time, Jesus went to the cross, took your sin, took your sickness. He was your substitute at that time. So we do not have to tolerate sickness in our bodies. We don't have to tolerate sin in our lives. We were bought at one price with one time. So now it tells you to glorify God in your body and in your spirit. How many know disease destroys the physical body? Well, that was bought with a price. We've got to glorify God. Both at the same time were provided. We hear all the time, maybe it isn't God's will to heal you, but you never hear, maybe it isn't God's will to forgive you. We hear, perhaps your sickness is for the glory of God. You never hear people say, perhaps your sin is for the glory of God. We never hear people say, God is using this sickness to chastise you, but they never say, God is using sin just to teach you a lesson. And if they were provided at the same time and done at the same time, these things go hand in hand. Be patient. In your sickness, because in God's time, He will heal you. Nobody ever says, well, be patient in your sin. Just keep on sinning, because God, sooner or later, in His time, is going to forgive you. But we separated the two, sickness and sin, not knowing that they were done at the same time, and the price was paid on the cross. Many do not know and have never been taught God's will on healing. When you are taught and learn the truth, you will start to live free. Say, God's will is for me to live healed. All right, go to John 17. All right, John 17, 17, Jesus is speaking. He says, sanctify or separate them through thy truth, thy, what is truth? Notice, your word is truth. The truth is the word, the word is the truth. Many people need to get in the word so that they find the truth at that time. Until you get over on the truth in your heart, you're still going to be led around by physical evidence all the time. And physical evidence is mostly 99% contrary to whatever God has already said at this time. So studying the word of God, being in the word of God is basically essential. If you're not in faith in the word of God, you're going to let sense evidence guide your life. Your feelings, your emotions, everything you're hearing, what people tell you, all that stuff will take precedence over God's word. Many people that I've prayed for have been healed. Two weeks later, they used to come back to the old prayer meeting because they were sick. Why is that? If God healed them, did he do a good job? I mean, don't he know how to heal people and make it good? Well, no. They came up and they got healed because their faith was not in the word. Their faith was in me. And when I laid hands on them, they had enough faith to believe that they were going to be healed because I lay hands on them. And that's fine. But then if you don't get in the word and your belief is because I laid hands on them, they had faith in me and the symptom went away. When the symptom tries to come back, guess what happens? I'm sick again. I got no foundation. Let's go get prayed for again. And you'll get prayed for again. And you might get healed again. And you might get healed a third time. But sooner or later, there's a spiritual demand for you to grow up and understand why you were healed. You weren't healed because of me. You weren't healed because it was the right time of day. You were healed because you know that on the cross, Jesus was your substitute. He took your sin. He took your sicknesses. One of my benefits is he heals all my diseases, and I walk in divine health, and that's why. Then it won't even matter if you feel better when somebody prays for you. 
because that's your basis for being there. What do you know? I know by his stripes I've been healed. People all the time, well, I felt good for a couple days, now I don't feel so good. That's right. You've got to get over on your own faith, build your own foundation, and do basically what the Word of God tells you. It's the Word of God that is your sword. It's the Word of God that's your strength. You need to know the Word of God at all times. Hallelujah. And be ready to meet the adversary when he shows up in your life because, you know, I'm not prophesying it. I'm telling you, he shows up. Praise God. That's just the way it is. So many people receive healing through the faith of someone else. The enemy then attacks them because of the lack of faith in the Word of God. Basically, once again, they get fearful. Once you get fearful, you're pretty much in trouble because the devil operates in fear. Hallelujah. Instead of meeting the adversary with the Word of God in the name of Jesus and saying, nope, nope, I was healed, praise God. I was healed two weeks ago, and by His stripes I'm healed, and I'm going to live healed, and running that thing off, praise God. Basically, what you do is, since I used to be a mailman, when the devil comes with symptoms, if you start to talk about them and receive them, you just sign the receipt, and you gave it back to me that it's been delivered. It's like signing a receipt. I got a certified on it. I don't want that certified, some people say, because they know it's from somebody. So I got to take it back to the post office. I can't even give it to it. When the devil comes, don't sign the receipt. Send it back to hell where it came from. Hallelujah. All right, go to Matthew chapter 7. Okay, here it talks about two different kind of people, the people who are founded on the Word of God and others who are founded on somebody else's faith, somebody else, how they feel, or whatever. Matthew chapter 7, look at verse 24. Therefore, whosoever, say whosoever. How many know that includes you? Whosoever hears these sayings or the Word of God and does them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a... And everyone that hears these sayings of mine and does them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall. Notice the storm is not what destroyed these houses. The foundation is what destroyed these houses. Both houses were basically the same, only they're a different foundation. Here it says the rain's going to come, the winds are going to come, these things are going to come. But if you're built upon the Word of God, if you know the Word of God, if you stand on the Word of God, then even though the storms come, your house is going to continue to stand. And we're building a healing house. So I know in my healing house that one of the foundation blocks I put in says, by his stripes, I was healed. So when Satan comes, I'm just going to say, Satan, you know you're defeated. I know you're defeated. Everybody knows you're defeated. In the name of Jesus, you just leave my body now. And I just thank you, Lord, that I walk in divine health 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I thank you that I never get sick. I thank you that I never have pain in my body. What are you going to do? You're not going to forget all your benefits. You're going to forget not all your benefits. You will have, I'll tell you, there's many in the church that don't even have the knowledge of their benefits. Very hard to stand in them when you don't know what they are. So physical healing is one of our benefits of the kingdom of God. It is God's will for you. You need to treat sickness just like you treat sin. Both are from the devil. If you will submit to God, agree with God, resist the devil, what will happen? He will flee. Why? Because he is the Lord that healeth thee. Hallelujah. Say, my days of sickness, they're over forever. I found out that on that cross... Jesus took my sin. He took my sicknesses. He was my substitute. 
He paid the price so I never have to sin, never have to be sick again. I build my foundation not on a person, not on a feeling, not on a good feeling, not on a symptom. I built my foundation on the Word of God. I have a Lord that healeth me. He has removed all sickness and all disease away from me because He is the Lord that healeth me. And by His stripes, I was healed over 2,000 years ago. And I believe it. And I receive it. It's mine in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. for listening. For more from Treasure Coast Victory Center, visit us at mytcbc.com.